Welcome back to our show, Sleepover, Sleepover Cinema, Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2005's Ice Princess. You got some raw talent. I don't have a skater. You don't have a coach. We're a perfect match. Okay. Keep your cool. She's got eyes in the back of her horns. Stand your ground. I'll try that about 5,000 more times. Great. No way. Are you going to place this here? Don't let them make you nervous. You're smarter and you're cooler than all those people. Find your edge. Winners make sacrifices. You have to want it more than anything else. Why are you doing this? Mom, it is about feeling strong and beautiful for once in my life. And our next skater is Casey Carla. Deep breath. And then you let it out. <sighs> AKA there must be an exact aerodynamic formula. <laughs> that's that's uh <laughs> iconic. Yeah, friend, line. friends of the film call it that. <laughs> okay. Um I haven't seen this movie in an insanely long time. I know it contains a that's not my dream, it's yours moment. Indeed. And except it's not a son and a father. Right. It's a daughter and a mother. Revolutionary. <laughs> Um, but I'm excited to watch it. I uh, took ice skating lessons as a kid and really, really loved it. And then my mom made me quit. Are you, You're not going to keep that in, are you? Maybe I will. <laughs> well, I also had a weird foot positioning thing where when I walk, my toes slightly point out. And so my skates had to get constantly readjusted. <laughs> it's an expensive sport. It is an expensive sport. And mom and dad said, that's enough We're of that. We're not having it. Yeah. It's very comparable to the horse girl pastime, but probably less expensive than horse back riding. If you're a horse girl, you have to own the horse. That's the real question. And how expensive are horses? You don't have to own the horse. Just go to a stable. (laughs) Anyway. I would know, apparently. Yeah, you're talking with a lot of authority about this for some reason. The inner horse girl in me really just jumped out. Galloped out. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Anyway, we are going to start with the facts. Audrey has become the researcher for a few episodes here, so she's going to guide us through the facts. It's my new passion in (laughs) quarantine life. Okay, so Ice Princess premiered on March 18th, 2005 in theaters. Okay. And it was released by Disney. Uh, it was directed by Tim Fywell, who has directed a surprisingly small amount of work that I, I can that I can identify. Okay, actually, I can't identify anything other than Ice Princess. That's interesting, and I think it's because he's from England, and it seems that he works in England. So I okay. think I think all of his films except this one are English films. <laughs> Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Ice Princess was written by Meg Cabot, who also wrote Princess Diaries 1. She did not actually write Princess Diaries 2, but they used her characters. That's a fun fact. I didn't know that. You know who did write it? Shonda Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, right, right. 
And the writer of the first movie as well. Right. But yes. So I found this out through looking at Meg Cabot's ancient blog, (laughs) which was very interesting. Um, But Ice Princess was not a book. And Disney asked her to write the movie because of the success of Princess Diaries. Okay. She had never written a screenplay before, had never tried. So they commissioned her. They commissioned her to write this idea. That's cool. As a screenplay. That's cool. Yeah. And so here's a little excerpt from her blog. Um, This is from, (laughs) this post is from... I think early 2004. The reason I don't talk about this movie much is that movie writing, it's not for me. I just wrote this one for Disney because they approached me like two years ago and asked me if I'd be interested in writing a girl ice skater movie. And I was all, okay, like a diss, (laughs) because I heard writing screenplays is really easy and that they pay a lot. Well, it turns out writing screenplays might be easy for some people, but it is really, really hard for me, although it did pay a lot. (laughs) It just seems like such a weird way to tell a story, thinking of it visually instead of in words. It's sort of like playing Barbies, only not as much fun of course. Still, I guess it was a good exercise in writing, but now I feel I've learned that lesson and I'm happy to return to the world of book writing and stay there. I love that. Yeah. That's a well-written blog post. I know. That's so funny. Her her blog posts are so funny. (laughs) We should get Meg Cabot to to come on the show. That would be amazing. She seems like a really fun person. That would be so fun. And the books that she's writing now are hilarious. Really? Like, I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even know really that she was still writing, but her books are like romance novels now. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And then um, I also found in the same blog post the original idea for Ice Princess before uh, they brought in a professional screenwriter to make revisions. All so right. this is from her blog post. Hannah's going to read it. Okay, I'm going to read this part. Ice Princess, for those of you who are interested, was originally conceived as a story about a girl hockey player named Casey who moves to a new town so her hockey star brother can train for the Olympics and starts figure skating on the sly after she gets a job at the local rink concession stand and meets a bunch of figure skaters training for the Olympics. That is the longest sentence I've ever read. (laughs) The love interest is the hunky Zamboni driver, who also has a band. In the revised version, they brought in a professional screenwriter to do some revisions. I think they dropped the hockey part and made Casey a physics whiz. Go figure. I heard... Go figure. I'm pretty sure there's a song on the soundtrack of this uh, movie that's called Go Figure. And it's like, go figure. Anyway, I heard the Zamboni guy love interest is still in it, though. I'm glad because I fought hard for that Zamboni guy. I was all... Dude, how cool would it be if she gets to ride the Zamboni? (laughs) The best part about this is that she's implying that she's never seen the movie. It hadn't come out yet. Oh, when she wrote the blog post? Yes. Really? Oh, wait. Because she said, I think they kept the Zamboni guy. I think I'm getting it confused with the blog post that I was, uh, that I was copy and pasting for Princess Diaries 2. Okay. Which is the next one we're covering. Got it. Okay. So we're going to be making a return to Meg Cabot's blog. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. That's the news I want to hear. Yeah. (laughs) The profesh screenwriter they brought in to make revisions on this screenplay, her name is Hadley Davis, and she's mainly a TV writer for Spin City, Dawson's Creek, and Scrubs. Perfect. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting <laughs> that they picked uh, a TV writer yeah. to make revisions on this. Yeah. 
Um, all right, so into the numbers. Here we go. So the budget for this movie was $25 million, and on the opening weekend, the domestic opening revenue was almost $7 million, which is, by studio standards, especially Disney standards, a flop. Yes. Uh, <laughs> And then worldwide, it made $27 million. So they barely, barely, barely crossed that finish line. But they did cross but it. they did cross that's it. That's kind of a miracle. Broke even by $2 million Wow. <laughs> for Disney. That's, that's right. kind of rough. Right. Uh, the critic score is 52%. And the critical opinion is that this likable Disney film gets points for effort but can't stick the landing when it comes to originality. <laughs> that... Love a, a pun. <laughs> I'm sure that that is accurate. Yeah. And then it has a 58% audience score. That gap is less wide than a lot of these movies. Yeah, usually it's high audience, low critic, but this one is kind of just meh across the board. <laughs> I feel like that's how we felt about it even as kids. Yeah. I mean, like, we weren't obsessed with... Ice Princess. No, we were not. But it really lives on in our minds for its uh, unofficial <laughs> tagline, which we will get to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do you want to do the plot synopsis? Yes. So the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. We switched to Rotten Tomatoes because IMDb um, sucks. Actually, I wrote this one. Oh, yeah. uh, Audrey wrote it. Okay. <laughs> okay. This plot synopsis is written by uh, rising filmmaker Audrey Leach. <laughs> High schooler Casey Carlisle is torn between her desire to go to Harvard for college to please her mother and her ambition to become a competitive figure skater. That is a tight, bare bones yeah. and effective <laughs> log line. Yeah. What is it with these movies and like Ivy Leagues? Uh, I don't know. That is something to dig into. Well, I guess if they were going to pick a college, they're going to pick an Ivy. They're not, or they, like, they're not going to be like community college blank or blank community I guess college. So. Yeah, I guess so. Unless it's that like, was important. Yeah. But like if they're going to pick a college, they might as well shoot for the stars, I yes, guess. that is true. Um, so these taglines. Oh, yeah. Though, I cannot wait for you to read these, these taglines. taglines. There's three. There was three to choose from. I was like, I gotta, I gotta copy and paste them all. <laughs> I think they're from different promo materials. Okay. But, all right, we've got from scholastic to fantastic. Oh, no. We've got big things happen to those who dream big. That is the worst tagline I've ever heard. And then the best one, from small town mathlete to big time athlete. That's pretty good. They're good with the rhymes on these. Yeah. Pretty good. Brought in those Disney lyricists Trump's. for these bad boys. <laughs> what did that? What is their name? Like Sherman Brothers? Or something? It's like from <laughs> the from Wizard like of the Oz. 30s. I know, but that's uh, that was about, uh, Howard Ashman. Yeah. R.I.P. Howard. That was going to be the joke, but you know, Alan Menken pulling in hot. <laughs> Tim Rice. Elton John rolls up, ready to write these taglines. <laughs> Though he doesn't even write his own lyrics. Did you know that? Who? Oh, Elton John. Tim Rice writes all of his lyrics. Yeah. I did know that because it's Tim Rice and Elton John. And you can just assume here what's coming on in the dynamic. Like, why is Tim there if Elton writes all his music? Right. <laughs> These are big questions. Just saying. I really appreciate Elton John's cameo on Sign From Above. Me too. When he goes... I felt immortal yeah. I'm when like, I was a child. I'm like, this yes, is. this is what I want. <laughs> anyway, sign from above, Lady Gaga, Chromatica, good. A lot of people would hate on it, I'm sure. 
because it's not just club beats. Right. But I think it's good. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Back to the cast of Ice Princess. <laughs> um, do you want to do this? Yeah, sure. Except I can never pronounce this person's last name. Okay. Well, obviously we have our star, Michelle. Tr- I say Trachenberg. It's probably Trachtenberg or something. But I say Michelle Trachenberg. Okay. I'm just going to let you say it. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to say Michelle. So Michelle was known for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, 17 again with Zac Efron. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Uh, Inspector Gadget. I only have the creepiest of like toddler memories of that movie. And of course, Gossip Girl as Georgina, right? That is a show that I really could get into the escapism of right now. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, and then we had Hayden Panettiere. Wait, you skipped oh, the fun sorry. fact. Um, so apparently Michelle had never ice skated before this movie, uh, but she learned in 10 months. But does that mean that she, like, did all of her, like, she, tricks? Um, I, I believe she did all of her own skating except for the main event, like, triple axle or whatever right. that was. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Ice skating is really hard. Mm-hmm. And then we have Hayden Panettiere. I'm mad there's no character names here. Hayden oh, Panettiere yeah. is playing Michelle's rival. Yeah. Um, she was on Nashville at the time. She was on Heroes. And we pretty much knew her from Bring It On 3. Yeah, with the terrible crumb thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which played on ABC Family, like, all the time. Um, and then we have Joan Cusack. We know her most intimately from School of Rock. <laughs> uh, but she was also in Working Girl. Perks of being a wallflower. She is? Yeah, she's the doctor. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Toy Story. Right, because she's Jessie. Yeah. Shameless. She's so good at Shameless. Yeah. I love how curated all of those credits <laughs> are. <laughs> and uh, School of Rock. And then we have Kim Cattrall, who is Hayden Panettiere's mom. Yeah. And she is obviously Samantha on Sex and the City. I also forgot to say that Joan Cusack plays Michelle's mom. Yeah. And then Trevor Bloomus. Oh, my God. He was the love interest in Switching Goals, which totally makes sense and to me. And he's the Zamboni guy in this movie. Yes. Also, really random fun fact that I learned is that, so Hayden Panettiere and Kim Cattrall are playing mother-daughter here, and Michelle and Joan are playing mother-daughter. They, both of those pairs have the same birthday. What? Yeah. Like, Hayden and Hayden and Kim have the same birthday, and Michelle and Joan have the same birthday. What are their signs? I don't know. Dang. But I just saw that, that and I was like, wow. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so with all that in mind, 2005, what was happening in our cultural sphere at the time? Uh, <laughs> Audrey started the list off strong with Hurricane Katrina, <laughs> was... um, which I actually remember a lot about. Yeah. That was obviously horrible and significant. Um, yeah. I think that shaped the year pretty strongly as yeah. far as world events. And so. like the following yeah. Years too in America at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then culturally, to just swiftly navigate <laughs> over to the cultural section, uh, we have Keep it real, and now we're bringing it back. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire came out. Oh God, these movies are cursed. Chronicles of Narnia came out. Brokeback Mountain, which I still haven't seen. I know. Oh. Uh, Herbie Fully Loaded, Deeply Cursed, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, (laughs) the movie I can watch with my eyes closed, uh, came out. This is the Johnny Depp one, obviously. And then musically, the biggest artists of the time were Mariah Carey, Green Day, with probably stupid-ass American Idiot. Mm -hmm. That whole album is so stupid to me, which, like, maybe is a hot take, but whatever. I think it's corny. Uh, 50 Cent. Gwen Stefani, Black Eyed Peas, and Rascal Flats, baby. Life is a highway, baby. (laughs) 
I am haunted by Rascal Flatts cover of Life is a Highway. You know when it would be like probably realistically 11 p.m. but you were like knocked out after watching Disney Channel and then you wake up and you're like in cold sweats and it's just Rascal Flatts music video Life is a Highway. Like the 90 second cut. Because it was for cars. Yes. And Disney Channel didn't run real commercials, which I still find to be so weird. Good for them. They can peddle their own wares 24-7. They just control the media, as they say. Um, Okay, so all that being said, what are the things we remember about this movie from childhood? Audrey, I will uh, invite you to go first. (laughs) Okay, I didn't actually remember this from childhood because these women were not significant to me as a child, but the fact that Joan Cusack and Kim Cattrall are in a movie together, I think, is really iconic. Um, at the How time, did they even like secure this casting. I don't know. I guess because it's Disney. Still though. Um, but yeah, like knowing and kind of learning about where Joan Cusack like came from, like her career path, her trajectory. You just would never expect her to be in a Disney movie like this. I know nothing Do you about know, it. She was on SNL for like a really short amount of time, no. and and I watched this really old probably one of her first late night interviews from uh, maybe it was like early 90s. And she was just like so alt. Really? <laughs> yeah, she's like weird. She's weird in this interview. Okay. Like she's got like this bizarre jacket on and like this completely <laughs> thrifted looking outfit. And she's just like having the weirdest conversation. <laughs> it was so interesting. Okay, I'll have to look it up. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I feel like I have massive respect for her. And then, oh yeah, one of the side characters, they call her like the jumping shrimp or something. Yeah, she's like... She's like the little tiny diva figure skater who's friends with Hayden Panettiere. She's like a literal child. Yeah. I think that like their teens and the jumping shrimp is like actually like, like 12 or yeah. something. <laughs> and she's just, I just remember it. I remember it really clearly. Yes. And then of course the line... There must be an exact aerodynamic formula. Yes. Because she's, of course, they they had to somehow incorporate figure skating physics into this movie. I just don't buy it. I remember, okay, (laughs) you know what? I'm remembering now that the premise of this movie is that she's like, I'm going to use the physics of figure skating as my, like, senior project yeah. to get into college. And to, like, appease my mother. Yeah. I will say, this isn't fully something I remember from childhood, but I feel like this movie has parallels to The Devil Wears Prada in that it's, like, she comes into it and she's like, I don't take this thing seriously. I'm going to prove that it's, like, a cinch to get into this. Because, like, if you know the math of ice skating, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And she's got this little pond in her backyard, and she's like, I just do it for fun. Like, right, 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 right. This is a hobby. Well, I feel, and it takes over both of their lives or whatever. Yeah. That's, like, the thing. And then uh, things I remember, I remember there's a lot of, like, hot air in the cold shots. There's lots of, like, visible breath. Right. Or like they're sitting in cold <laughs> yeah, hot, cars or hot something. Breath in the cold. Yeah. I was like, hot air in the cold. What does that mean? <laughs> and uh I remember that Michelle is like gorge Stunned. in this movie. Her hair. It's like perfectly quaffed. Right, right. And um I remember Joan Cusack actually being pretty cool. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know what? I bet we're going to watch this and we're going to, like, understand her perspective. Definitely. And we're going to be like, oh. And I'm pretty sure there's an absent father. And yeah. I'm pretty sure that her mom is, like, a 
a professor or something. Yeah, as a professor. Oh, and there's definitely some sort of treason where, like, Michelle somehow gets blamed for Hayden's skates being messed up. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a uh, Tanya Harding reference. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's being disguised in this movie, but yeah, it's a Tanya Harding reference. I could not get through I, Tanya. I also was watching it on, like, a shitty link. I feel like, yeah, Hannah's um, <laughs> attention span for films is just generally not the best. I'm not good at watching stuff by myself. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm, like, the best at watching stuff by myself. I, like, can't get through it. Like, I watched Signs the other day for my movie club. Have you ever seen Signs? Mm-hmm. It's so weird. But Josh watched, like, the second two-thirds of it with me, and I was, like, the, it was, like, kind of... <laughs> You heard one sign from above. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I forget what my point was, but the The point point is is that Hannah has a short attention span when it comes to films. Well, also, it was like a Google Drive link to watch Itania and it was low res and I only had a laptop. Yeah, you always do this to yourself. If you were in the theater, it would be a lot easier to pay attention if you just go to the theater. But we all know that. Yes. I miss theaters. I'm sure you do, too. So much. Good thing we're about to make my living room a theater. <laughs> and so are you. <laughs> uh, this is on Disney Plus, I'm pretty sure. It's got to be. So we're going to go watch it. It's really hot in Hallway Studios right now, so we're both pretty excited to get out of this uh, tiny little booth we're recording in and uh, maybe chill out on the ice, bro. <laughs> we'll catch you on the ice, <laughs> princess. <laughs> Why is it we'll called? catch you on the ice, princess. The real question, why is it called ice princess? Because we're- <laughs> they were trying to get the princess money. Exactly. Okay, we'll go watch right it. back. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. All right, folks, we are back after watching what is seemingly the longest movie ever created. This movie took such a long time to watch. (laughs) Partially because there was a huge windstorm outside and I had to move my car and then there was a rainbow and we got distracted. We really went through it. A lot happened during this. Yes. But we did have popcorn, so, you know. Yeah, I had my dinner, which was popcorn, (laughs) baked lays, and an apple with some cheese on it, and then some everything bagel seasoning. So, not a meal. (laughs) That's how all my meals have been for the past, like, four days. That's very relatable. Yes. (laughs) I'm here to be relatable. We're going to try to point out some things we appreciated here in this film. Yeah. Um... It did not slap, though. It didn't slap. It was not a great movie. I I really, for one of the first and only times, feel like the critic and audience scores reflect what I think (laughs) about this movie as well. It was not. 
It was not it. Good. It was not good. (laughs) But (laughs) I do appreciate what they were trying to do with the soundtrack. Yes. They have unwritten at the very end, which... I but love. Like, why did they wait till the very end? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's unwritten is usually not at the end of a movie. It's usually in the beginning. Right. Um, but overall, it was very like moody white girl acoustic. <laughs> there was a really good like deep cut Michelle Branch song yeah. at one point, and I was in the back. <laughs> and the opening song for the opening credits, it I think it was Ali and AJ, but it really really sounds like "With You" by Avril Lavigne. Yeah, maybe we'll do like a little side by. Side-by-side clip comparison here. Yeah. And now you've heard it. (laughs) And don't they sound similar? That's what I thought. (laughs) They do. I appreciate the inclusion of goth skater, or not goth, but punk rock Oh, yeah, we got in a whole debate because Audrey said that (laughs) the rock rock chick skater was a goth skater. And I said, that's not a goth. She reminds me of the aesthetic of Midori, the Guitar Hero character. If you know what that is, then we appreciate it's like you. homage to schoolgirl, but still <laughs> punk rock. Like, cute, but punk. Very that. Very, um, like, space bun. Prehistoric space buns. Yeah, like, I don't know how to describe. Why are they called space buns? I don't know. These are the questions. What else did you appreciate? I appreciate Michelle Kwan's cameo. Yeah, Michelle Kwan has a cameo as a judge. And she's just, like, not acting. Like, no, not at she's all. She's literally not acting, but I appreciate her presence. For some reason, everybody knew who she was, regardless of what your interest was back then. Like, don't you just feel like every person knew who Michelle Kwan was? Yeah, well, she was like a star. Right. She was like a a sports star. It's like Simone Biles or something like that. Right. Or like, for some reason, everyone knows who Mia Hamm is. Yeah. Everyone. I'm sure that Michelle Kwan had like a big corporate deal or some sort of sponsorship where people would know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I knew about her... And obviously was very into her because I was really into ice skating in general. But I remember I had this book that was her autobiography. And in the lower (laughs) right-hand corner, there was like a little flip book of her doing like a triple whatever. Axel? Yeah. Like you would flip. It was like the entire book was a flip thing. I was really into that. Do you think that you were inspired by this movie at all or no? I liked (laughs) ice skating before this movie, I'm pretty sure. That's true, because it was 01. 
ish, right? Oh, one. I wasn't in first grade doing it. Oh. Oh, yeah, no, we were I think we it was, like, Ohio. fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So I think it might have— So it's roughly the same time. Well, I think it is roughly the same time, but I think that being into ice skating was, like, in the air at the time. Yeah, I think it was, Because it was too. also that Barbie figure skating game. Yes, which we thrived on. That game on. was so fun. So fun. All the Barbie Ooh. desktop games, PC desktop games were amazing. Pet Rescue, Nail Salon. Makeover that made our computer crash every makeover. single time. <laughs> Uh, wedding, Sleeping Beauty. Everything. But there's like, or not Wedding, Princess Bride, sorry. What? No, it's basically Wedding. But it's basically Wedding. It's basically Prepare for Your Wedding. Yeah, but <laughs> Prepare for Your Wedding and Sleeping Beauty were like flat animated and the other ones were 3D. So there's that. I appreciate the inclusion of ponchos. <laughs> yes, it was very representative of 2005. We're now talking about the movie again. Yes. Uh, not the Barbie computer games. Uh, there was, there were several ponchos. There was just one poncho. There was just one poncho, but it was so impactful. It was a poncho paired with low-rise jeans <laughs> like, on Hayden Panettiere. It wasn't. It was a mini skirt. Really? Yeah. Oh, at the party. But she wrote, but she wore low-rise jeans with leg warmers and heels, too. That was really bad. <laughs> that was terrible. I will say one thing I appreciated about this movie uh, was that this movie knows how to create a layered outfit. Oh, absolutely. There were so many layers in this. Because <laughs> everyone's, like, at the rank or, like, being scholarly. Yeah. And I guess that just demands, demands layers. layers. So I don't know. <laughs> So that's pretty much all I had for appreciate. Yeah, this movie was bad. Not that I'm, I shouldn't jump to the final criticism, yeah. but this one was really not great. Wait, hearts that are worse now. I have to say, I when I first saw this movie, I had no concept of the kind of uh, woman hating feminist stereotype. Yeah, but. Which also makes no sense when you really think about it. But I guess that type does exist. There is definitely a person out there who has It's very like views. second wave. It's yeah. very like, you know we're how... We're talking about Joan. Yeah, we're talking about Joan Cusack's character. She's like this... The vibe that I got is that she's like a professor at a community college. Yeah, and, and she like name drops feminist theory things. But as soon as her daughter wants to wear a skimpy little figure skating costume, she is offended yeah. and she is upset. Which again, though... Does make sense with like second wave feminism, you know. It's yes. like not to, not to bring up mom again, but you know how mom got mad about uh, J Lo and the pole dancing. Yeah, it's like that. And when J Lo, <laughs> what did she pole dance? Yeah, she pole danced um, at the Super Bowl due to Hustlers, the movie. Right, 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 right. Wait, so was it at the Super Bowl? Yes, it okay, was at the yeah. halftime show. There's like a certain level of feminism where it's like anything that is like. Anything that indicates being empowered by being pretty or hot or whatever is, yes, like, not okay. Is is setting women back, right. essentially. This movie was very, <laughs> uh, very into that. Or, like, I guess that Joan technically is the antagonist of this movie. And so I guess her feminist yeah. views are part of what makes they're her the antagonist. In, they're in Casey's way. Right. Okay. Between the sh- between the jumping shrimp and Joan, those are our antagonists here. Yeah, the, there's not a strong antagonist no. in this movie. One thing that I did not know back in the day is that Michelle's character Casey is like 
so unappealing. The weirdest and worst written protagonist. <laughs> like, the things that she says are, and actually the things that most characters say, are not things that actual human beings would say. Yeah. Um, but she, also, she can, you can, you know, basically it all boils down to physics is not a personality trait. Like, she'll be in a social situation and be like, due to the weight of this man and the trajectory of his fall off the balcony, he will fall directly into the window. And that's what makes the boy not want to talk to her. Like, that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's also just like, there's nothing, like, interesting no, about her. there is nothing distinguishing or interesting and about her. And her mom is so interesting. Yeah. Because her mom, like, has so much going on. And Joan makes any character interesting. Also, Joan's character name is, is Joan. Joan. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were very delighted by. Yeah, because Kim Cattrall's character goes... Like, Joan, she's like, what's your like, name, Joan? Joan, right? She's like, Joan, isn't it? And we were like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, her name is literally That's Joan. Joan. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the the Tanya Harding parallels? Yeah, so Kim Cattrall's character, Tina Harwood, is a direct parallel to Tanya Harding, the real-life figure skater. Um and they could not have made that more clear, um, <laughs> but they kind of weave in Tanya Harding's life story into this movie by making Tina Harwood this, like, conniving mother who uh, sets Casey up to fail by buying her brand new skates right before she competes, which isn't okay because you need to break them in for at least 10 days A minimum. minimum of 10 days. <laughs> The punk rock chick skater told us Let's that. Let her know. And, and um, yeah, I, I just feel like you could have had this plot line without the TH initials. Tina Harwood, oh, yes, Tanya yes, 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 Harding. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> like, we didn't need that. But also, like, no one would have known about Tanya Harding, who was our age back then. I, maybe no, it was in didn't. there for parents to I have something. It, yeah, I think it was in there for the parents to be like, Oh, like oh, yeah, conniving Tanya figure Harding. skater. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I think we should take a moment to address the thoroughly unnecessary love interest in this movie. Trevor Bloomis has done it again, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Switching goals was number one, and Ice Princess is number two. He's so unnecessary. Yeah, and and it's a reveal that he is Tina Harwood's son and Hayden Panettiere's character's sibling. Like, weirdly late in the movie. Yeah, it's very strange, and they don't look related, but he's very unnecessary, and he also is using the Zamboni as a personality trait. <laughs> yeah, his only personality trait is that he knows what inertia is and drives the Zamboni. Which, uh, one thing that was so much worse than I ever possibly could have remembered <laughs> was this part where basically, like, it's like the all hope is lost moment where yeah. <laughs> uh, where Casey's, like, out skating on the pond trying to prepare for nationals or whatever, like, pre-sectionals. It's sectionals. <laughs> uh, and she keeps falling and whatever. And then he, and then, what's his name? I don't remember. Just call him Trevor. Call him Trevor. <laughs> Trevor. Literally, like, rises over the horizon on the Zamboni. Oh, on the Zamboni. And is like, you want it smooth or glassy? Like, <laughs> glassy. I don't think you can drive a Zamboni on a pond. You're you are literally telling the audience that he basically drove a Zamboni on the highway. 
<laughs> yeah, and earlier in the movie, he's like, I can get it up to seven miles an hour. And it, it feels like a dream sequence, but it's 100% real. And then... Would have been a good dream sequence. Yeah, there's this weird part where he's, like, holding her face, and he's like, you really show people who you are when you skate. Like, it just, it's <laughs> it's like, such a weird like, scene. I can't speak more than seven words to anybody that I haven't known since kindergarten, so why can I do that with you? <laughs> I have, like, no memory of the ending of this movie, and we just watched it. <laughs> it's because it's this really bizarre long shot of Kim oh, Cattrall. right, 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 right. And they're Joan walking, and but her. you don't even know what happens with her and no, the guy. it's before. You don't know what happens with her and the guy, and it's also pre-nationals. Like, they don't show nationals in this movie. Yeah. They're because saying that they're going to prepare for it. Because the um the resolution of the movie is that her mom accepts her. Yeah. And that's it. And that's it. It's not about athletic success. It's not. Hayden's character becomes nice way too fast. I don't think it was that fast. I mean, they go to a party together because Hayden's essentially using her to go see her boyfriend, and then she's nice. I guess. It, it doesn't but really... she's mean to her for a while before then. I guess it's like the switch just gets flipped really this, fast. Yeah, it's not that it's... Exactly. That's what I meant to say, mm-hmm. is that the switch is too fast. They don't bond. They don't They don't have a bonding moment before she becomes nice. I bet nice. there was one that, like, got caught... That got, got cut, cut out. Or yeah, something. Probably. We have to talk about how this movie wants to be gay. Yeah. So I was looking at the IMDb cast list of this movie and I completely skipped over recognizing Casey's best friend in this movie because I completely forgot about her. And after watching it, I'm I'm just convinced that this character is supposed to be a lesbian icon. (laughs) And they denied her that truth by making her ask Hayden Panettiere if she can like hook her up with boys. Yes. And, and really she clearly is in love with Casey. Well, one thing that we're <laughs> understating is that for some reason, like there's weird tension. There's like for some reason in every scene with this one girl, there's like weird sexual tension between Casey and is her, her name Zoe the character. I don't know. Ugh. I'm she just look her up on IMDb. I should know her name, but we were denied that. I, I just want to find out if she's actually gay. Like, the vibes were undeniable. I feel like she has to be gay. Honestly, both Casey and the best friend character, it seems like they're supposed to be together. But we got Trevor in here. Stupid Trevor. And then, and the reason, okay, so the reason why we're saying this, we're being very vague, is because, yeah. like... <laughs> There's a couple scenes. So I think, first of all, when the friend is, like, filming Casey. Harvard video admission or whatever. Yeah, like, whatever. Filming her ice skating. She keeps making all these comments that are, like, she's literally, like, you look hot. Yeah. And being, like, remember me when you're famous. But, like, for some reason it just felt really gay. But their (laughs) chemistry was nothing compared to Hayden Panettiere and her (laughs) chemistry. Like, it truly never... Also, Hayden calls Casey hot, too. Yeah, right. Like, what's going on? Oh, it's like when she gives movie. her the like the weird makeover, and then she's like, you're hot. Stay she, away from my man. It's like, your man has nothing to do like, with this. Your man literally is uninvolved, Hayden. <laughs> yeah, your man is like doesn't have a single line in this movie. Except no, being like, I brought her a hamburger. I brought her a burger. Let her eat, Kim Cattrall. Like, <laughs> and Kim's like, now... <laughs> So there are two really obvious tropes in this movie, which I'm not going to elaborate on too much because everybody knows about these tropes. 
But one being the not like other girls and the other being it's not my dream, it's yours. Right. (laughs) And those are word for word present. I mean, they have the line, you're not like other girls. And they have the line, it's not my dream, it's yours. Yes. So it's just there. And then my final, I have one final qualm. Okay. And that is that we have absolutely no reason to believe that Casey's mathematics and physics that she is doing could actually help the skaters do better. Yeah, say more though. Why? It's like magic realism science where she films the skaters um, doing their tricks and it's like some program that basically is just showing the footage. Right, (laughs) like... And then they somehow, we don't know what it is that she is telling them that makes them do better. Yeah, it's just like her with her laptop and them skating and then her being like, good job. It's like a montage where we're missing the actual instruction. Yeah, we're missing the instruction. It's just, and then the line that they use is, it's not the computer that makes the jumps. It's you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like that's like a running thing. Yeah, so, um. She's doing something. We just don't gain access to know what that is, which makes sense because Meg Cavett did not know what that Clearly was. Clearly no one knew. It's like, uh, you and know, Hadley Davis did not no know. No one knew. You know, like that thing where uh, Disney like says they don't know how Elsa's powers work. Yes. <laughs> That's what this it feels is like. literally that. We yeah. do not know how Casey's physics powers work. Yeah, we have no clue. So, is it still good? No. It's bad, but you know what I wish? What? I wish there was a version of this movie that centered around Joan Cusack. Same. That would be actually really interesting. I would I would love. I would love anything with her. I just yeah. love her. I love her voice. We have a lot of emotional attachment. Yeah, to her. clearly. Is it still good? Is it still worthwhile? No. Generally, no. No, it's bad. Um, But the soundtrack is fun. The costume that Casey wears for her last performance is beautiful. Um, She's very good at looking cold. (laughs) She is very good at looking cold. (laughs) And um, And that's pretty much all I got. And there's no reason that this movie is called Ice Princess, other than the fact that they were like, if we put princess in it, we'll get money. They put a tiara on her for that final performance. That is the only reason it's called Ice Princess. They never even say the word princess. They never say the word, but they do put a tiara on her. What would a better name for this movie have been? Mathlete to Athlete. (laughs) It'd be like... Uh, Ice Queen. (laughs) Ice. Ice Nerd. (laughs) Ice Nerd. Yep, that's it. Ice Geek. Physics of Ice. (laughs) Physics of the Ice. (laughs) Um, burnout skaters on ice. Harvard dropout. (laughs) Harvard dropout to... Feminist mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Honestly, Ice Princess is what they had to do. Because if they had marketed it any other way, it wouldn't have gotten the demographic that they wanted. Yeah. I kind of feel like we should take a moment to... Talk about ice skating in culture in 2005. Just like I, because I feel like that's the only reason why this movie makes yeah, any why sense. this like why, why does this even exist? Why did Disney ask Meg Cabot to write this idea? Obviously, Olympics and figure skating were a big thing for young girls at the time. Yeah, 
It's not a coincidence that you took figure skating. Right. Like, well, I do think it's a good point, though. Like, why did I know who Michelle Kwan was? Yeah. We didn't have any ice skating people. We didn't watch the Olympics, like, particularly. We weren't sports people, really. So (laughs) I think she was included in a more broad pop culture, you know? Yeah, she must have More like a celebrity. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And we were like Simone, like Simone Biles. That's yeah. similar. Yeah. But <sighs> yeah, I think I, I think she had a major influence in the reason this movie exists. Yeah. And they tried to make it they tried to do something with this movie, but uh it just didn't really happen. It did not happen. I have a theory that Meg's original version was way better than this version, where they decided to make it about physics in part. Right. <laughs> um we don't need that. It was completely unnecessary. I mean, it, it's necessary for the Joan plotline, but you could have still had Joan wanting her to go to Harvard without the physics plotline. Yeah, or what if it hadn't been Harvard? What if it was like taking over the feminist bookstore or something? Yeah, like, like it, why did it have could to have be? Joan still have the same personality? Just with like a different with a expectation. Different, yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> this movie also says fuck men. Yes. There's like no relevance to any men in this plot. No. Trevor is barely, barely relevant. And he's <laughs> he's the only man. He's man, the only male character. Other than the male judge who's gay probably. <laughs> Wait, he's like a famous skater person. I just uh, looked up he? who he was. Yeah. Um, oh, that makes sense that they would have two cameos. Right. But anyway, guys, this one, this is a miss. This is a big miss. There's a reason why we weren't completely obsessed when we were children, because I think even kids know when a movie is just not hitting entirely. But I did laugh a lot. So if you want to have a laugh about a movie from childhood, this is a good one. Agreed. And I would just like to point out, too, that the last movie we covered, Life Size, her name is Casey in this movie. Yeah, her name is Casey. With that? Weird. It was, also, that name always reminds me of Life with Derek. Yeah, like what? Casey in the and early 2000s. Change. I don't know. But we hope you guys had a good time. Um, <laughs> maybe you'll take up figure skating. Maybe this is the moment for you. Maybe this is the moment for all of us. You know, just every last one of us needs to take rink. up figure skating <laughs> right now. Like this movie makes me believe that I could. You know. They may, they sure make it seem like it's very attainable. They make it seem like you can just do one recital with eight-year-olds and then make sectionals or something. Right. <laughs> like, you can just do that. Yeah. So, moral of the story, believe in yourself. And... <laughs> moral of the story, fuck science. <laughs> moral of the story, when your mom tells you that there's no shelf life in figure skating, you say, that's, you say, that's your problem, mom. Stop being a feminist. <laughs> oh, Yes, you literally say. You say, Mom, you're too much of a feminist. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, st- you storm out of the house. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. <sighs> we hope that you enjoyed Ice Princess if you watched it along with us. If you didn't, uh, this probably did not convince you to go watch it. <laughs> no. But um, it, it's good background noise, if nothing else. So you should watch it. But more importantly, you should let us know what you think of it. Uh, you can send us a DM on Instagram at Two Pink Pictures or on Twitter at Two Pink at Pictures. Two Pink Pictures. We have an exciting 
couple format changes coming up soon. Do you want to, should I explain it? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so I'm very excited about this, but essentially when we were thinking of movies to do for this podcast, I was thinking of some that are basically the same movie, um, but with different actors. Uh-huh. Uh, should, we, should I give an example or... Uh- should I wait? Should I make it a Make them wait. Make okay. them wait. We're going to make you wait. But essentially, Hannah's going to take one movie. I'm going to take the other. And we are going to defend them to the death. <laughs> we are going, no matter how bad they are. And no matter how much we actually think that they're not that they're worth not it, good. we are sticking with our assigned movies. And we will, you know, come up with a, a winner of the two. Yes. And it'll be a fun little shake-up for the format. <laughs> and <laughs> A fun little I, shake-up. I'm excited about Me it. Me too. It, it'll be good. So <laughs> if you have uh, any suggestions for movies we haven't done yet, please let us know. And we will until TTYL. Yeah, until next time. Bye. Bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Wool Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. What a great reckoning. Little mama in April Levine. Yeah, I feel... (laughs) You should feel refreshed. I feel reckoned. (laughs) I feel wrecked. Wrecked. (laughs) That's really close to erect, which I don't like. Wrecked. Pig rectum? (laughs) Okay, let's do this. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.